of Easter. You know, Mother's Day is interesting in the church. I think you'll agree with me. Some Mother's Days, the church is full of everyone wanting to honor their mother and coming into the church. And other Mother's Days, everyone is going to visit their mother. And so they're honoring God and their mother in a different way. It's neither good nor bad. It's just what is. And so the few of us that are gathered here in the sanctuary this morning, we get to enjoy uh, one another's company. We get to enjoy uh, the fellowship that uh, we're called to enjoy as Christians. And we can still uh, honor um, our mothers in the way that they deserve to be honored. And the message this morning is one such that it honors mothers. And I'll explain how as we get into it. The title of the message today is Green Pastures and Still Waters. Now, obviously, that alludes to the the psalm that was read this morning, the 23rd Psalm. It's a familiar passage of Scripture, and it talks about our Lord occupying that position of shepherd. And let's face it, every one of us has had a mother or someone who acts in a nurturing, motherly way to us during the course of our lives. And what mothers do, by and large, is they shepherd the flock of the family. It's a big responsibility. And depending on the number of little sheep you have running around the house, uh, grandchildren and whatnot, I can think of, well, when, when our family gets together and all the grandkids are there, there are 10 of them. And it's quite a bit like a flock of sheep that is in very much in need of shepherds to direct them where to go. Now Jesus is unique because he is both the shepherd, as we'll see in the 23rd Psalm, and Jesus is the lamb, as we'll see as we get into the epistle for this morning. First I want to talk about this idea that Jesus is shepherd. Now when we talk about the 23rd Psalm, I think most of us in our minds go automatically to the old King James Version. It's the one that most of us memorized in Sunday school as children. It's the, the one that has a special place, I guess, in our hearts. You know, the one that goes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
So what does that give us as far as information about Jesus the shepherd? Well, first of all, as shepherd, the Lord is our provider. What does He provide? Well, material sustenance for one thing, but He's also the one who restores us and rejuvenates us. I don't know about you, but after a week of Angela being in Denver and me taking care of business uh, back at home, I, I have to tell you that when Angela's gone, the business of the home still continues. And um, I'm much more content being a sheep rather than a shepherd in that regard. But I, I will tell you that this rejuvenation and restoration that Jesus brings to us through the power of the Holy Spirit is essential to what we are all after from our shepherd. Peace. Peace. With, with the perfect peace of Christ, we're ready for just about anything else that life may bring to us. Now, Angela was in Denver this week for Noah's first birthday. Now, if, if you recall, it, it was a year ago this time when Noah was born, 24 weeks of gestation. He was born basically four months. 16. Yeah, early. And this body of Christ and our sister church down the road and people all over were <coughs> praying for God to work miracle in Noah's life and Angela and I were praying alongside everyone but most specifically I was praying for peace in the midst of all of the struggle and the chaos And God delivered in a mighty, mighty way. Today, Noah, who was born at 15 ounces, is 19 pounds. He's 26 inches long. He said his first word, mama, the other day. He's doing really well. He still has a, a few hurdles to get over. He's going to have surgery on his eyes to correct uh, the, the cross-eyed nature of, of them, which I'm told is common in preemies. So nothing serious to be concerned about, but the hand of God watching him work in Noah's life over this last year has provided me with a little bit of insight into the peace that the shepherd brings. He walks alongside us through our circumstances, good circumstances, bad circumstances, all circumstances, and we can take comfort in 
his authority and his position. That's what the rod and the staff in the 23rd Psalm are all about. They're symbols of his office, of his authority. And they mean that, that he is sovereign and in control. Although, you know, sometimes in our lives we look and it seems as though things are chaotic until we pause for a few moments and just abide in the protection and the grace of the shepherd. And then we realize that it's all in capable hands. Not only does he provide, but he provides in the midst of of turmoil and persecution. It's not just provision when times are good. It's provision when things are hard. When we feel as though everything we do is a struggle. He soothes our weary minds and He anoints us with His many blessings in such abundance to where we can't even begin to contain them. And because we're believers in and followers of this good shepherd, we have this assurance that His goodness and His mercy will be new for us each and every day of our lives. And I love the the way the psalmist puts it. He says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. He doesn't say maybe goodness and mercy shall follow me. If you're lucky you'll get some goodness and some mercy along the way. No, he says, surely. Goodness and mercy shall follow me and we can be certain that we have this place in the house of God, not just when we get to heaven, but right here, right now, in this time and place, we have the peace and security of being in the house of the Lord, the house of the shepherd. How do we get that peace and security? Well, we get that peace and security by also realizing that not only is Jesus the shepherd, but he's also the lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there's a passage in John's book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, according to the Apostle John, who was exiled to Patmos, he had nothing to do but to write what he saw, what the Lord gave to him, and the Lord gave him a vision. And so he wrote it down for us so that we might understand more about this shepherd who was also the Lamb. Now, I'm in Revelation 7. It's in your uh, your bulletin insert if you want to follow along in in the scripture but i'm reading from the new revised standard version i'm not sure what version we use in that whatever it is it's a little bit different but i think you get the gist of it and beginning in verse 9 it says after this well you know me by now if it says after this i'm not going to just continue i got to go back and find out what the this is so the this in this case is john had this vision of 144,000 Jewish evangelists. He calls them witnesses. There are 12,000 of them from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. 144,000. 
who were appointed in the time of the great tribulation, which is to come, appointed to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because at that moment, the church, us, we will no longer be on the earth. Well, what happened to us, Pastor? Well, Scripture tells us that before the great tribulation begins and before Antichrist, Satan, is given uh, power over the people of the earth for a seven-year period called the great tribulation, before that occurs, the church will be called to, as Scripture says, meet Jesus in the air, and we will hang out during the period of the Great Tribulation with Jesus in heaven, waiting for the second coming after that seven-year period to all come back as the army of God to reestablish Jesus' throne on the earth. So, it's easy for us to get lost in the academics of eschatology, the study of the end times. Man, it just people get wrapped around the axle about something that is, well, it's just not a salvation issue for us. Whether the Great Tribulation happens uh, after the church is raptured, that's the term, raptured to be with Jesus during the Great Tribulation, or whether that rapture of the church takes place in the middle of the tribulation as some believe or whether it happens after the great tribulation although that doesn't make any sense scripturally some people believe that the church will have to endure this trial this tribulation this great tribulation on the earth whether we believe either way is not really a salvation issue for anyone and yet we devote so much time and energy into trying to make sure that our opinion, whatever it might be, is the predominant one throughout the churches. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you that that's not the purpose of Revelation. The purpose of Revelation is to let us know that Jesus is the shepherd and Jesus is the lamb. That's really, it's as simple as that. You see, this this verse after this, after these, uh, the appearance of these Jewish witnesses, John looks in the vision and he says, I, I looked and there was a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. And we wonder, what, is that, what does that mean if... if the Jewish witnesses are here. That means the church is no longer here. That means all the Christ followers are now with Jesus and the earth is left to its own devices and the, uh, Satan and his uh, minions are running things. The Holy Spirit is no longer necessary on the earth because the church has been raptured into heaven. How are these believers from the great tribulation making their way to heaven well the witnesses are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ at great peril 
to themselves, although they're sealed, protected by God Himself, the ones that they're witnessing to choose Jesus Christ and most likely are martyred because of that choice. And yet there are multitudes, Revelation says, more than anyone could count. What does that mean? That means that the choice for Jesus continues through this great struggle. And that more people, more than we can even count, will have this relationship with Jesus. And together, in verse 10, it says all of us are there together. And we're crying out in a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Well, what does that mean for us? It means that we don't get to claim credit for our salvation. The only thing that we can claim is that we've made the choice for Jesus. Beyond that, salvation belongs to God. Whether it's now in the age of the church or later in the age of the Great Tribulation, people can make that free will choice to follow Jesus. Why? Because shepherds are showing them the way. Now we're called to be the shepherd now. And once we're called home to be with Jesus, to hang out while the tribulation is going on, <clears throat> these appointed evangelists, witness, will be the shepherd for those who are left behind. And they will choose Jesus in the thousands. And all the angels, verse 11, stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God. Now this is, this is poetic language to be sure, but what it is is it's a rare view into the throne room where all the believers, all these multitudes who are saved during the tribulation, the church is all gathered around, all the angels, all the host of heaven and everyone's worshiping God and they're singing. What are they singing? It's very specific. Why is it so specific? Because it's telling us something. They say, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Well, why blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving? It's not so much what they're saying. It's how they're saying. See, the worship in heaven at that time is sevenfold. Blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might. Seven. The number of completeness. That means that the worship and the adoration of God in heaven at that time is spiritually complete. There's nothing left out. Everyone is shepherded in the right direction. Everyone is fully provided for. Everyone is satisfied. And most importantly, for all of us struggling through the human condition right now, everyone is at peace. Verse 13, Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? It's what we call a rhetorical question. And John knows it is. He said, I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal, the great tribulation. 
They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. See, the white robe is a symbol of righteousness. It's confirmation that those who are left behind still have an opportunity to choose Christ. Satan does not have the power to prevent anyone, anytime, from making the choice for Christ so long as they have breath in their lungs to proclaim Him Savior, God, Lord. And so they're made righteous. The same way we are, by the blood of the Lamb. They've washed their robes by choosing Christ. And Christ makes them clean, white as snow. Verse 15, For this reason they are before the throne of God instead of in hell. And they worship Him day and night within His temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. All Christians are before the throne because they've decided to follow Jesus. To accept the free gift of salvation. To be washed in His blood. To believe in the resurrection. And our purpose in heaven just as it is right now in this place, is to worship Him. And when we do that, the result is, in verse 16, there will be no more hunger, no more thirst. Not even the heat of the sun can scorch them. Jesus is the shepherd. He provides for the needs of the flock. The sun will not strike them because the sun is no more. Jesus is the light. There's no more need for sun or moon in the new heaven and the new earth. There will be the presence of the light of Christ. That's all the light we need. And then the last verse, for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. See, Jesus is the shepherd and He is the Lamb. He will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more tears in heaven. See, in this life, in this human condition, we have struggled because of sin. Isaiah 53.6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord God hath laid upon him, Jesus the Lamb, the iniquity of us all. See, Jesus is the Lamb, the sacrificial Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It's really so profound and yet so simple. Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the lamb. In that simple truth, we know that we are cared for right now in this life, crazy as it may be sometimes. We're cared for in this life. And because Jesus is the lamb, we have hope for the life that's coming, that eternal life. And so we sing this psalm of David. We call it the 23rd Psalm. David wrote it. It's prophetic. It's about the Messiah Jesus. And he says, 
God my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You've bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and then send me in the right direction. I don't know about you, but that is the best part of that. The opportunity to just pause, maybe on a Sunday morning on Mother's Day, in this holy sanctuary, to pause for just a few minutes and catch our breath. Catch our breath from the graduations and the proms and the trips out of town. All the work that needs to be done during the week. All the things that have us just running hither and yon, taking care of business. True to His Word, Jesus lets us catch our breath. And then, He didn't just abandon us to our solitude. No, He gives us a sense of purpose and direction. Where do I go from here? And we're reminded, David reminds us, even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. Peace, comfort, purpose, direction, security, provision. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life and I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my days. Jesus is the shepherd and Jesus is the lamb. And that's enough. That's enough. In the name of the Father and the Lamb, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The next hymn is Breathe on Me.